Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Greasy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And good morning, hello, and once again, welcome to American Tennis. This is Coach Chuck Creasy. Another week of American Tennis, and we have got a great program for you today, folks. But I want you to hang on a minute. I, I want to make a point before we get to our guest and, and talk just a second. I had a, an opportunity, oh gosh, a couple, two to two, three days ago, to go talk uh, to a recruit and his coach and uh, his mentor there. And let me tell you, this this young man, extremely, extremely talented. And I was trying to talk with him about um, how coaches look at players and. You know, we look at, and I've mentioned this before many times, head, heart, legs, head, heart, legs. The strokes aren't the main deal, folks. The the strokes are not the main deal. First thing you do when you look at a player playing, anybody looks at the gait, the way they move, the way they handle themselves, the balance, the running. That's what you do is you look at the athleticism. But then when you talk talk to the young person, you talk to them in depth if you can to see if they've got anything under the hood. In other words, do they honor the game? Do they respect other people and things like this? And then, of course, the heart is the big deal. But I just wanted to tell you, I use the U.S. Open Finals as an example, and I'm going to be talking about this a lot. But what was on display at the U.S. Open Finals was Rafael Nadal and his Menvedev guy, but they honored the game of tennis in the way that it's supposed to be honored. they Those guys honored the game, respected the opponent. Now, now wait a minute. Nadal, 18 grand slams, he's one of the biggest hot shots ever in our game. But he treated that kid, Menvedev, with respect for what he was doing and what he was bringing to the table. There was no hot dog stuff out of that guy. Nadal beat him 3-0 and the week before. But it wasn't like, oh, I'm too good to be out here. I'm the great Rafa. No, 
it was both of them getting down and dirty, laying everything on the line, putting their hearts on display. I got up after that match and was beating my chest. I was pumped up. I wanted to give somebody a chest butt, a, a head butt, and I wanted to just challenge any football, basketball, baseball player and say, we've got the greatest sport in the world. We are. This is the best display of honoring the sport and the great, great competitiveness that our sport brings out more than anything, any other sport. This one-on-one -on -one battle, it's like two great boxing champion two middleweights going at each other and then afterwards they they're hugging each other because they went and they went and exhausted every bit of it so i was talking to the kid the kid was a little bit of a hot dog when i saw him playing you know he, he you know just showboat a little bit what 17 18 year old kids do and i said son son this game's much bigger than you those tennis gods can smack you down at any time they want to. They they will cut you up and leave you bleeding on the tennis court. The tennis gods are in charge. It, it ain't you, buddy. And I did it in a good way. I didn't demean the kid, but basically, you youngsters out there listening, you are competing in the greatest sport in the world. You honor it so. Also, our governing bodies, also our people who are teaching, also our parents respect it as such. And and that must, that's my little little opening today. But welcome to American tennis. We uh, say it the way it is here. You know that I address I tell you address issues, not people. You can address organizations. Heck yeah, we ought to be criticizing the USTA. Heck yeah, the ITA. What the heck is that? Mincemeat has been being made out of college tennis. It ain't what it used to be. It ain't what it should be. It ain't nothing close to what we should be doing with college tennis. And daggone it, it, it just is holy guacamole. Are they making a mess of it? And, and uh, we have the best learning institutions, best opportunities of any place in the world. We've got the best of the best of the best as far as potential and opportunities, but we're not teaching our kids how to use their hearts. And we're destroying, dismantling this sport with the abbreviated scoring systems. And we're treating it like an after-school activity. That's all. That. And now I, I don't want to go off there. But, folks, today, uh, our program I put up, you know, we got a coach parent, coach who is a parent, parent who happens to be a coach, one or the other, you know. And uh, I asked Kenny, I guess, uh, Kenny, welcome to the program. But would you say you're a coach who happens to be a parent or a parent who happens to be a coach? What would you say? Which one of those? I guess I'd say I'm a parent that has to be a coach. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 that's that's probably way we would all lean, but it is it is a tough balance. But folks, this is uh, Coach Kenny Lovett, and with all the respect in the world uh, for the job you do in coaching, number one. But being a parent is the hardest thing, coaching your own kid especially. But uh, Folks, we had Kenny on here. I think we had you on about a year ago talking about Corey, your son's journey. And I, I you know, I've often wondered. I first met Corey and you. I think he came to one of my camps up in the mountains, probably when he was 10 or 11. And I said, you know, this kid could probably play five different sports. He, he could run. He could he could be play football, basketball, a lot of other sports. Why did he get into tennis? Why did you get him into tennis? Was it just because you had it there or – 
Did he play the other sports and just like it more? Why did he get into tennis? Well, um, he coach he uh, he played he actually played baseball, basketball, um, tennis. We did everything part time. You know, uh, I didn't force him into anything. I just wanted him to pick what he enjoyed, and uh, he was that. You know, not because he's my kid, but he actually could have played pro baseball. He was that good. He came out. Um, he came out up to me after an all-star game in baseball finished just finished the season he said dad i just want to focus on tennis i guess he was about 12 almost 13 and and uh so he chose tennis on his own just i think he loved the challenge and back then uh when he chose it um we weren't uh introduced to the the green dot the yellow dot you know the little baby balls and uh it was just re- you know regular size rackets, regular size courts, regular regular scoring. Uh, there was none of uh, what's going. Unfortunately, what's going on today, and with these juniors, they have to deal with a uh, short court, uh, short scoring. We didn't have to deal with any of that. Otherwise, I don't know if he'd have chose tennis if it was like that. To be honest with you, but he did well, choose. Well, they made him play kid, kitty ball. They'd making him play kitty ball. He probably wouldn't have chosen it. I mean, that's I don't exactly think right. Would, I really and, don't. You know, I uh, 100% of the time, I use this analogy with that stuff. And, by the way, what a big flop, that red, orange, green stuff. You know, they're trying to prop it up with life support, but it's laughable. We all know it's laughable. The whole state of South Carolina, they only had 41 kids sign up for the green ball deal last year. It's it's just a joke. They wasted money on this, trying to jam it down our throat. But, Kenny, I always ask uh, kids, you know, and parents, uh, if you had a 10-foot basketball goal and an 8-foot basketball goal side-by-side, side, which one do you think all the kids would be trying to shoot at? You know? Absolutely. And, you know, kids don't want to be dumbed down. Parents don't want to be dumbed down. We're just a little too smart for our thing. I want to – look, I've got you on for the whole hour, I hope. And if you have to break and go do your work, I understand. No, you got me, Coach. But you I've got, got – I love it. Thank you, man. I – Appreciate your time and just appreciate what you Thank give you. to the sport, the game. And um, I, the main reason we have you on and that I've asked you is because parents, coaches, and teachers out there need – they need uh, meat to sink their teeth into. I mean, everybody's confused. Uh, the USTA has this magical – they call it the pathway to excellence. And it's – I hate to say it's a bunch of crud – there are some good into it. They have these sports science people and these marketing people. They call it the pathway. And I, Kenny, I, I always tell everybody it should be a freeway, not a pathway, an expressway, a highway. There are a hundred ways to be good. And uh, but the USTA, they, they, I, I want to call them. They, they call themselves the governing body of tennis. I call them the smothering body. <laughs> they smother top-down management. Um, before we get nice, off, and very nice word to say. <laughs> it, it is really so, so lot, frustrating lot because than, the million nicer comment than you get from me. Well, I want to lay this out. <clears throat> I, my outline I made, I sent to you. I'm hoping we can go this way, but I always say you got to name it claim it and then tame it what they do and what people who are excuse makers do when they blow it over and over they'll name it and then rearrange it and then blame it like i tell players 
whenever they go, oh, my forehand broke down, or oh, 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 my serve just isn't good, oh, my rackets, I say they name it, yeah, they failed. They didn't live up to what they wanted to, but then they rearrange it, and then they blame it. But let's name it, first of all, what we want to talk about. I want to talk about what your approach was, is, and was. Let's talk about what it was with your son. I mean, he's coming up. You're you're a great teacher in your own right, and your camp, your your coaching. You've you've helped so many kids and people over the years. But what when your son's coming up? What was your approach, and what is it now? And then I'm going to ask you what you'd do differently. But what what was your approach when he was coming up, and what is it now? Would I guess would be my question. Thanks, Coach, and uh, thank you for having me on the show. Um, but, yeah, when Corey was coming up, you know, um, basically uh, discipline was number one. No excuses were number two. And uh, and getting as fit as, we, as, as I could get him. And um, no excuses definitely was uh, in the top priority. I, I, I think one of the biggest things I'm proud I taught Corey was uh, you can say – tell your opponent good shot and say, come on to yourself and nothing else, you know, uh, be respectful. And I think discipline was the main thing. I, I didn't, uh, I was, you know, I made a lot of mistakes as a coach. I was sometimes very, very hard on Corey, but I would, you know, apologize when I was out of line. But um, like I said, we didn't, uh, did not have to deal with the unfortunate things that these parents have to deal with now. And with, with the juniors, I, I don't think the, uh, like I said, the Noah, the crazy scoring, the short system, you know, came out kind of at the end of his junior career. But, uh, you know, I guess the biggest thing I, I was, and I still am to juniors, is uh, <clears throat> is discipline and hard work. And it seems like uh, the new uh, the new age is taking that away because you really don't have to be in great shape anymore to play a four-game set of tennis. Um you know, it's just mind-boggling to me what's going on now. But um, I do miss the times of him being a junior and the journey we had. It was fun. It was a great time with my son. And uh, now he's 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 on his own. He's on the tour um, working with a couple other people. I'm just his dad now. But, um, yeah, Coach, I, I guess just discipline, 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 discipline. Well, let me let me jump in there real quick and say something. I had this conversation uh, with a father that just called uh, a couple days ago, and he was asking. He, he felt badly, it sort of chewed his son's butt out for goofing up on the court. And I I just asked him. I said, "Hey, coach," I said, uh, "When he's on the court and you're coaching him, are you his father or his coach?" He said, "Well, on my butt." I said, "No, no. What are you more? You're his coach." So that was tough love coaching. You, first of all, you've got to have the discipline. That, I love what you're saying because, look, look, with your life coaching discipline, you said. Then you said no excuses. Then you said top fitness, honor the game, discipline, no excuses, discipline, and top fitness, honoring right. in the sport. Respect to you. But, but here's what you said, too. Respect, respect to your opponent, honoring the game. All right, now. This is all about what you're describing to me is you had your son working for mastery more than success, wouldn't you say? I mean, you know, I yes, mean, it sir. was, you know, 
is more than hey you got to be ranked top ten in the South or you know right I mean you know so your life coaching no, I didn't pay attention to that I I was more about totally uh, developing for I, I mean Corey had a goal to play Division One tennis and and pro and I I really didn't think of pro I I thought uh, let's just do the best we can and uh, I. You know, a good example is he would win a pretty big match in a junior tournament, a national tournament, and some things that I saw that he wasn't doing. <clears throat> I would say, hey, let's uh, we're going to this high school to practice, and he'd say, oh, why? I won. I said, I don't care if you won. That's not what it's about right now. It's about developing, you know, your game for the future. So you have that, the big game to play at the higher level, and I think that's the biggest mistake I see with a lot of parents now and coaches they want to win so bad at 10 and 12 years old but but when they hit 16 they're done they're not going to play division one tennis if they're not doing the right things so uh yeah i, I think development is you know is number, is number one in discipline like you you know uh, what you just said about yeah i was a dad i mean dad and coach but yeah i i i was able to make myself coach on the court i was very tough sometimes mean you know almost like a football coach but that's my style. I have no regrets. I have I regret sometimes the way I handled some things, but I don't have regrets coaching the way I did because I don't believe in any sport, football, baseball, basketball, tennis, soccer, whatever. I don't think kids can be successful without an honest, tough coach. doesn't mean you have to be a jerk, but it means, you know, you have to want, what, want what's best for you for your student and uh I don't believe in telling a kid you're doing yeah this you're doing great shot Jimmy great you know you know I believe in being honest and I think that's what we're missing in this sport now is just uh like you said tough love I think it's a yeah I know one thing I I would have given anything and I'm not saying this to make you feel good coach I would have given anything for my son to play college tennis for you without a doubt no that's kind or Bobby Knight yeah or Bobby Knight well, you're you're yeah, kind, but I, I you know listen, um, pair that parent coach thing is going to appeal to a lot of people listening out here, because we all have that same issue and problem. My son's in baseball, and I don't know that much about baseball. I know about sports, but I'm I'm scrapping to try to find uh, people who can give him pearls of wisdom and to uh, give him long term food you know, for pour into him long-term. But I want you, if you could, tell me that one thing you hit on, you have done deferred gratification coaching, which is long-term coaching for the future, working on mastery, more than success. I've talked about these things a lot. Can you give some of those things you said? What did you do to build for the future more than immediate success right now with your son? Um, like I said, I, it wasn't a, when he would play a, I don't care if it was a big national tournament, I would still take him, take him out after the match and work on things I felt like he wasn't doing that we had focused on, on, uh, you know, I believe in, you know, developing a big game. I told, uh, for example, when a kid's, uh, when a kid's 10, 11, 12 years old, <clears throat> obviously they're not grown yet. But you teach them to, you know, do the right thing. My thing with Corey was hit a big forehand, come in behind it, and don't worry, you know, just 
be aggressive. And, uh, you know, he went through a tough stretch where he, well, they keep lobbing to me, Dad. I said, well, that's not going to work when you in about four years. And it finally – everything fell together for Corey when he was 15, where some parents are so scared of uh, success, lo- you know, losing in the 12s, 14s, which, you know, I laugh about it now. It means nothing. You know, if you're not developing your kid, you know, good luck when they're 16 and 18. They're going to wonder what happened. I've seen so many kids that were number one in the country in the 12s and 14s that didn't even play college tennis because they they never their game never transitioned. So I was big on, you know, transitioning your game to the next level, and I think it's so important. You know, not at every sport. You know, I don't care if it's baseball, whatever. But you know, try to what do you want to do? if you want to play that sport in the future, you've got to keep up with the game. You can't just, you know, you I could name you 10 kids that ran like a deer but never hit the ball, and they were done at 15 years old. Those, those those top kids were, you know, out of it. So you see these top kids in the 12s, 14s right now that run like a deer. Watch it. Watch If they don't have a weapon, let me know how they're doing when they're 16 years old. Okay. Now, so the life, uh, since my, my coaching career, 47 years, the ongoing – thing is consistency versus power and every coach knows out there the kids who make balls when they're young win uh, win when they're young but they've got to develop a 12 cylinder engine now on the other hand kids who kids who miss a lot lose a lot early and there's a tendency here's the danger they lose a lot and a lot of them just quit a lot of them quit all right, now, so here's always been the battle. And, I, again, folks, name it, claim it, tame it. Name it, claim it, tame it. And I think what Corey, what's, what I think why, or sorry, Kenny, why Corey stayed in it was the first thing you alluded to was discipline, no excuses, top fitness, honoring the sport, respecting the sport, learning about the depth of the sport. It isn't an after-school activity. It's not a fly-by-night sissy sport that, some people treat it like even some of our leaders treat it like such a sissy sport it's the ultimate tough sport it's it's a fantastic thing but the point being is that it, the you taught first you trained the inside of the person inside you trained his inside but you helped him develop the outside so my analogy is you were building a 12 cylinder engine but at the same time, he he had to build his steering wheel to keep it on the road. Yes, what sir. usually happens, kids kids with big engines wreck a lot. They don't learn how to drive it. If you don't build the discipline, the no excuses, the top fitness, you don't build it. Those are the steering wheel. But you got to have 12 cylinders. So what you're saying, the kids who had six-cylinder engines could only do three or four things with the ball when they were young. They didn't develop the rest. Now, the catch-22, and I, I, wanna, I want you to talk more, but the other catch-22 is this fact, and this is what we're going to get a little bit hacked off at the USTA, what they do. When they crown kids as winners when they're 12 and 14, they have this talent identification thing. Now, I'm not saying all, and they've been doing a much better job, but if a kid won when they were 12, they used to crown the kid and take care of them in smooge them and baby them and everything and they would do be doing it the next three or four years i used to say well why does this kid he's not even panning out 
I remember years ago I coached um, – I coached uh, – well, I'm not going to go there, but I was able to coach one of our big international events. I don't want you to know who I'm talking about. But the point is we were playing on clay. They sent me two grass court, hard court player, two serving volleyers, and these kids were – and it ended up they did well. But the point is I was saying, what are they doing? They weren't even thinking. They didn't even send us our best kids for the clay I think they just crown kids early and then they baby them on the way up, and that's another reason we don't have anybody winning Grand Slams. But to the parents out there, I agree. understand that your game is like a 12-cylinder engine. You must build the cylinders. The steering wheels, what Coach Kenny talks about, the discipline, the no excuses, top fitness, respect for the opponent, honor, honoring the game. So what would you want to add there before we start hacking into – I don't want to just be bashing USTA the whole time, but what what else would you like to add there, Kenny? Uh, I guess one thing I left out was one thing I, I, I emphasized with Corey was no fear. And um, you see a lot of parents that tell their kids, uh, come on, let's, let, you get, win a couple rounds. If you win a round, it's great. Um, I told Corey from a young age, that if you don't think you can beat the guy in front of you, then don't play. You know, I, I, I emphasize you go into this tournament, win or lose, thinking, knowing, believing you can win this tournament. I don't want you going into this tournament just hoping to win a round here, around there. I want you to go in. And like I said, of course you're not going to win, you know, every tournament. It's a roller coaster sport. But I think that was the biggest thing I got in Corey's head was he never, ever feared anyone. He really didn't. He never uh, – I said, I don't care if you're playing Fetter. You you go in there, you know you, you've got to think you have a chance. I think if your kids don't believe when they walk on the court, if they're playing the number one seed, whoever, they shouldn't play tennis. You know, don't don't go out there and say, I'm I'm playing uh, Joe Smo and I have no chance. He's number, you know, I think you've got to emphasize belief is huge. Like, I guess that's what I'm trying to say is no fear, but believe in yourself. You've got, you know, these – um... But I think Kenny, the two. I'm, I'm sorry for jumping in. The two questions are no, popping no, in my no. head. Number one, did number one did he ever say, "Dad, I, you know, come on, man, that's too much pressure." Did he ever say that? No, he really didn't. He didn't. I mean, I think uh, you know, the older you know, it, it got a little tougher the older he got before college. You know, where he was a young man and. But I know I, don't, I never remember him saying it's too much pressure. I think Corey was like a little uh, a boxer. You know, he never win or lose. He went out there really believing he could win that match. And I think that's the mental part. Like you have to emphasize to believe to believe in your kid. You know, to believe in yourself every time. So uh, yep. that's a big, big, big thing for me is you know believe. Sounds like he was wired for. You know the competitive stuff. He would have been a good pitcher in baseball, good quarterback. Not all kids are wired as competitors. That's natural. I, but out there, I just sort of like I throw do, this I, out. I tell parents, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I do think uh, at a young age, what you just said is huge. Like I, I mean, being the very good baseball player, um, basketball. He he did. You know, he he was a pitcher actually, and I, I think it helped him in tennis. The other sport, you know, I did. Like I said, I never made Corey play tennis. I introduced him to it, but the other sports help tennis a lot. 
Well, let's name it, claim it, tame it here. Let's name it. The kid's a good competitor. Number two, he claimed that he uh, was pretty much naturally that. He was in other sports, and tennis was one-on-one. So he's uh, sounds like he's pretty wired for it. And then uh, and then on. But what happens, I tell parents a lot of times that when I've had parents come up and say, my son's just not competitive, I said, listen, there's, there's three kinds of kids. I think kids being naturally competitive – and for one-on-one, one-on-one conflict, like I told my team the other day, you know, we have this thing, you go compliance commitment to enthusiasm about what you're doing. And I said, before compliance, your best athletes often are defiant. I even talked to my parents about, my children, about it's okay to have defiance within respect. You better question things now because things are so screwed up up there. You don't want to just be like a sheep led to the slaughter. Parents out there probably cringing. We don't want our kids to be last night as good little school children who never do anything Mm -hmm. wrong. You're not going to ever win in tennis if you don't have a little degree of defiance in you. And folks, that's a different. That's that's a different. That's a completely different program. But here's what I wanted to say: about 20 percent of the kids, I think, are like Corey, just naturally competitors. If your son or daughter out there is they're defiant, a little bit smart alecky, they're they're just they're tougher than the other. You know, you see it that they like competition. They cry a lot because they lose. They hate it. They hate losing. You tell them, just have fun, honey. Just have fun. And they say, I don't like losing. Get them in tennis. They're probably one of those 20%. I tell parents about 20, 30% of the kids never, they're just not competitive. They're just nice people, and that's fine, but they don't like this arena. Get them in team sports and get them be a supportive cast. Get them into other stuff, music and debate and other. That's okay. But 50% of our kids have to learn. And we don't teach those other 50% the right thing, the right values. I think about how good competition is. Uh, I want to take about two more minutes to let you just finish up on on your son. And then I'm going to go to a short break. And then what I want to do is ask you about what's going on now. You've given a great background of your son, but anything else you want to tell parents out there about their own children? I mean, your stuff, you're giving diamonds, you know, uh, so anything else before we go to a break? Go ahead. I guess the best advice I can give, I, I coach a little girl right now that's a really good player. She's 12, good kid. Um, and, uh, you know, her parents might be listening. It's okay. But I think it distracts her when her parents come, you know, watch her train on the court, you know, obviously off the court. But why, I think parents need to drop the kids off with a They need to find someone they can trust. It does not do the, the, the kid any good when you, when the parents stay, stays there for the two hours to watch their kids train because it distracts the kid. You know, you need to find a pro you can trust and, and someone that's honest and just, you know, you, you know what I'm saying, coach? Like if I have you training Corey, I mean, I remember when he went to your camp, I dropped him off. I loved it. It was early in the morning. I left because I trust you. I don't, I don't need to sit there and distract the kid. The kid doesn't need to be thinking of the parent looking at the kid, you know, too many parents watch their kid train, which is fine to come up for the last 10 minutes, 
but don't sit there the whole two hours and, and distract your child. You know, let, let them focus on the – you should believe in the coach enough to, to leave your child and let them train. Does that make That's sense? Great wisdom, great wisdom. And I'll just tell you, my son with baseball, there's nothing that I love more than watching him train. I, love, I absolutely love it. I mean, he's 14. Yeah. And, and he's crazy about baseball. My wife keeps telling him, let him own it. Would you just – I said, I've been coaching for all 50-some years. I said, he goes – she goes, he's got to own it. Let him own it. So what you do, I've, I like I've got this guy, Corey. Team sports are a lot different. Team, I mean, yeah. I have no problem with baseball. Yeah, no, I'm talking about tennis one-on-one. You know, go ahead. Yeah. If a parent sits from a distance where the kid cannot just, you know, leave your kid alone when he's training. Don't intervene. Yeah. yeah you know, because it, it takes away from their time with their coach. A team sport yeah. is so much different, believe me, than tennis. I guess tennis is more, the toughest sport in the world. It'd be more like if you sit there and watch their piano lesson the whole time. Right, exactly. It's completely individual. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, if it's football, baseball, basketball, absolutely. I mean, that's, look, you're not distracting. Yeah. They've got their, their, uh, their, their teammates. But tennis is yeah. – uh, um, Tennis, without a doubt, is the toughest sport in the world, and I'll tell you why. Because it's it's physical, it's emotional, it's mental. You're out on an island by yourself. So the last thing the kid needs is the parent telling you to move your feet, move. You know when the coat. You know what? Why do you need me if you're going to tell them that? That's my thing. Why? Why are you? You know, because all that does is to, you know it wastes it, it wastes time. For that child out there with their, the guy that's trying to really help them. That, that's right. And again, parents, you see your child, they feel themselves. You, you've got to understand players are made from the inside out. That it, it, you, the, 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 the coach can build the car in the garage and it can be a Ferrari deluxe. It could win the Indianapolis 500, but the kid themselves and what you said first, Kenny, it's like building the race car driver who has to get in and maneuver through traffic and go through all the emotional ups and downs. So, yeah, find that Miyagi. Find that person who can coach your kid and pour into him. And let me go to commercial. Kenny, please hang on. We'll be right back with American Tennis. This is Coach Chuck Creasy. Sounds good, Chuck. Coach Chuck Creasy, and I wanted to remind you that my book, Coaching Tennis, has been out now for nearly 20 years, and it is one of the best sellers. But, folks, it will help you if you are a parent, coach, or a teacher, and you are just trying to get the basics all the way through the professional level of the sport to sub the information to someone you love or one of your own children. It's called Coaching Tennis, and I'd like to say that you can go to Amazon and look up Coaching Tennis, Coach Chuck Creasy, K-R-I-E-S-E, and get it now as it is still on sale, and I'm just hoping like crazy that it can stay in print a little bit longer. Man. 
breaks his heart seeing foreign cars filled with fuel it isn't ours and wearing cotton we didn't grow he's got the red white an American. We want to make the best ever in America because we're the best example of a country, a training ground, prosperity, excellence, championship thinking of any country that has ever, ever been part of this universe. And we should be making all of the champions here. Um, there's lots of great potential in our country. The talent is there. The knowledge is there. We've got to put it together, and I think the connective points you call synapses or what, the bridges for the excellence, somehow it's leaking. And somehow it's leaking. We're not getting the great Corey Lovitz and the great players that come up through the juniors who go to college. They get all this great college in every other sport, football, basketball, baseball, where do the pro scouts go? They all go to colleges to scout. Even golf, where do they go? Look at the PGA Tour or the PGA Tour or the LPGA Tour. Where do they play? They either play to Duke or Stanford or Clemson or Texas or something. When you go to the pro ranks in tennis, the colleges, what the job they're doing is just not good enough. Now, at the developmental level for our country. Why in the world would we lose to players from Croatia, Croatia, the Czech Republic? Well, you know, come on, Serbia. You know, Djokovic learned at the bottom of a daggone swimming pool, they said. He had nothing. How in the world Switzerland turned out two great players, that little bitty country there? How are the players in China coming up so much better than ours? That's just not right. Now, Coach Kenny Lovett, you've got a monumental ask right now, do we help your son? He's about top 50 in the world now in doubles. The, the kid is a professional athlete, no doubt about it. He's got professional thinking, no doubt about it. If the right things happen and the right stuff comes together, he could go to the moon. Now, I want you to talk to people about what you're up against, <clears throat> what college was like or was not good enough, and I, you don't have to talk about anybody personally. We don't want to do that. We basically want to address the situation, and then people can start being smart about it. But first of all, I'm going to tell you a good job in getting your son to even get to go to college. We Only 20% of the kids now who are the top players in the United States get to go to college. It's 80% international students, nothing against international students, but we're not coaching our own. So I don't want to go off there, but uh, I'm opening the, the the slate is clean for you to talk about it, and then we'll we'll go. But talk about the journey now and how hard it's getting. You want me to talk about the college first too now? Sure, sure. If you could talk about college and what parents have to go through in getting a great experience for their for their kids in college that would prepare them to play pro tennis if they wanted to. Well, as you know, Coach, I'm not a huge fan anymore of college tennis. And I, uh, you know, when Corey um, signed with 
University of Alabama, which is an amazing school. And it wasn't anything to do, obviously, with the coaches. It was the good old ITF, USTA, decided to go to NOAD scoring the, the ITA, year my son's the son. ITA, Intercollegiate Association. ITA, sorry, the ITA. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll never forget telling Alabama's coach, like, uh, and I was, I said, you know, if Corey wasn't so looking forward to going to school right now, he would have went pro because of uh, the year he signed is when they decided to go to no ad scoring. Basically take everything you, you work your whole life off, you know, you, you work your whole life in tennis for fitness and mental toughness and to, to learn you're going to play a six-game pro – I mean, a, sorry, a six-game set no ad scoring of doubles. And then the same thing, you know, two out of three no ad scoring in singles – um, I'll be honest with you. The, his first year, he had a, Corey had an amazing year as a freshman. He had to get knee surgery, and which I worried sick about. And uh, but he did everything to rehab it and uh, get strong again. And his freshman year, coach, he played uh, start off at number four at Alabama, and within a couple of weeks, they had him playing number one. Had some great wins, and uh, but also got pulled. Uh, his match was stopped. I'll never forget four matches against kids top 20 in the country when Corey was within five to six points of winning the match. Didn't get to finish because of the the great uh, rules of uh, once the match is over, the team match penalize the kids that are in a battle. Yeah, yeah. Let explain. We need to explain that to people listening. Look, if you win four matches, you have seven matches, seven points. But if you win four points before the other team wins one, two, or three. They stop the matches. Your your son might be out there playing, be up a set in five zero, and they'll walk off the court and stop the match. Ludicrous. He was up ridiculous. on Florida. Put it this way: he was up on uh, never forget a great kid at Florida in a battle. But Corey's up five one forty left serving. One more point, he doesn't get to finish his match because the match is over. So, you know, stuff like that, and that cost him uh, cost him in his ranking and everything when you know. It's just college, I mean, the shortened up college tennis now, you know, good. I hope, you know, the parents can get their kids a, a degree because uh, as far as the tennis goes, it's a, it's a, it's it's laughable now. It really is. It's totally laughable. It's, uh, I've never seen a sport where we start off playing a six-game no-ad uh, set of, of doubles and go right into singles. Um, I mean, you tell me how that's getting you better. Because I can't figure that out. Why would you tell coaches who say that makes them better clutch players? They have to deal with it being clutch. Uh, you know, every point is so so important that every game is a tiebreaker. I'd break say uh, makes you don't, you don't you know say? very much about tennis, is what I'd say. You know, I tell you one thing: you and I would like to play John Isner in a no-add uh, game, wouldn't we? Because he might double fault, and we win that. Uh, you know, it takes away from the beauty of, of tennis. Uh, Corey's got a huge serve. Um, but, of course, you know, his opponent is loving – you get that no-add point, you might slap a winner, he might double fault. It's, it just takes away from the game. I don't understand <clears throat> how our sport is the only sport in the world in college that we have to shorten it up and ruin, ruin the sport. I mean – to me, it's comparable to taking a, a baseball game and having the pitcher start at a 2-2 count. 
taking a football game, let's start at the 40-yard line. You know, taking basketball, let's uh, let's cut let's cut the quarters in half. You know, it just makes no sense. How how are we the only sport that is, has has changed the rules? I just don't understand. You know, well, you're talking about. Can I make a point? A quick point. We need. I'm sorry for jumping sure. in, but this is important no, like for people it. to know. Uh, Tennis is the number two most gambled on sport in the world. There's more money being involved in gambling casinos and on the Internet in tennis than any other sport. I forget what the number one is. And, and, and it's, but people ask, well, why would that be? Well, at every tournament, if it's a 128 draw, you have 127 gambling opportunities. So here's what I'm telling you, folks, and, and, and uh, Kenny. What happens is they figured out that, randomness pays the house and what happens right. is they do not want do sad do sad a four hour and 20 minute match or 40 minute match at the finals of wimbledon or u.s open or the french open they don't want nadal to win nine straight french opens do you know how much money the bookies lose if nadal always wins french or Federer or Djokovic, who rightfully, they rightfully win. They rightfully win because they're the toughest. They can do three out of five sets. Our American kids can. I'm challenging you. Maybe Tennis Sangren's tough enough or Stevie Johnson's tough enough. I don't see any of you other guys that are tough enough to win a five-setter. You know, those those two guys I love for their grit. But, you know, but, but here's the thing. They figured out the deep state of tennis, and I, I'm keeping it short, folks. You've been on my program. Go to go to January 31st, 2018, if you want to hear the whole program on how this is done with the deep state of tennis. But they want randomness. So how do you get randomness? Well, problem is the pros will never play it. They don't want it. So what did they do? They get college first. Well, you know, they got college first. However they did it, I don't know. The time and all those things about it being better for learning and all that, those are red herrings and just basically flat-out lies. So they want what they want, Kenny, is they got college first. Now, I, I, I said when they did it in college, you're going to push it into the juniors. Well, of course, they call it the college system. I was at a tournament right. two weeks ago playing one ad, one set, no ad. I'm saying, what are you doing? They said, well, colleges do this. I said, yeah, yeah, absolutely, they're going off the cliff. You guys don't need to also. And and so don't you understand, four or five years from now, Corey, Corey, Corey knows the difference because he's done the difference. But if Corey grew up right now, by the time he got to the pros, he wouldn't know the difference. I wouldn't have so what have they done? Right now, Coach. I'm you, sorry to you interrupt. See, you see not, where I'm going? I would not have you, him in tennis right now if it well, – I would, but, I would but totally if he was, encourage – But if he was, Kenny, I, I would Kenny, don't you see Corey. what I'm saying, though? The kids that are yes, in sir. it, they won't even argue. They won't even argue. It's just like paying bills with your cell phone. I mean, that's – to me and you, that's ludicrous. You know, we they're going for a cashless society, aren't they? And the point is they, are. they bleed stuff in. They bleed it in. So this randomness, my last statement, randomness, you wouldn't and this is a game of skill, and when skill is the game, you never use randomness to determine the results. Ludicrous. Terrible. 
It's, so anyhow, I, I needed to say that. I needed to say that. So go ahead back to college, I, Kenny. Go back to college. I think, uh, I, you know, these poor parents that are going to be looking forward to watching their children in college, it, it, I mean, I can't, I can't even – I mean, it makes me just cringe to think of this. Like, my son became – you know, was was top ten in the country four year in singles and doubles. Well, in doubles, he was top ten in the country four years in a row with four different partners. How he did it, I give him all the credit because when you're playing a set, a freaking one set, no ad to get ranked. Think of that, not two out of three uh, with a tiebreaker, one set of doubles, no ad scoring to get ranked until – and then you get to the NCAAs and you play two out of three with obviously the tiebreaker in the third. Uh, how do you make sense of that? I mean, this sport is in such trouble in college. You're gonna, I've seen more kids that don't want to play tennis anymore that are dis- that even want to play Division two because they have regular uh, – regular ten- I call it like tennis. It's, uh, you know, we act like these kids are uh, 90 years old. Why would we make them play a set of doubles and two out of three no ad in not finish matches like how it, I met one kid at Alabama coach uh, that became the student assistant. He said his senior year he had fourteen of his matches stopped. He didn't get to finish fourteen matches. How is that fun for anybody? I, don't, I mean for the fan, for the college athlete. I mean I, I just. You know, they're running the sport, and I don't understand it. You know, the USTA, the ITA, it's, uh, you know, I'll say it. My, this is coming from me. It's a corrupt organization. Even in you know, the ATP now, thank God they got, you know, uh, it, most of it away from the ITF. But it's, uh, you know, they're doing everything they can. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Tipsarevich, who's from Serbia. And uh, when he's standing up for our country, you know, why are we running tennis? That's sad. A guy from not even the U.S. is saying, why are we trying to ruin our our sport? Why are we making the numbers uh, less? Why are we making players and fans quit? So, uh, you know, it's a a catastrophe, to be honest with you. Kenny, this needs to be out there, too. Any of you go to ITF gambling money, uh, inside tennis article, inside tennis, I think it was 2016, inside tennis, gambling money, ITF, $70 million was given to the ITF, $70 million, the article says, was given to the ITF for live stream scoring for so that people could gamble on it, Seventy million dollars do you sense something wrong now here is the point too the point is why would our leading bodies like the ita the usta and then the itf why would they all be in cahoots with this demolishing our sport is there no one that stands up and says guys wrong we've got 145 year history wrong guys did now why how could they be that corrupt there's got to be some type of a deep state. In the sport of tennis, we need to fight, folks, for, for our sport. It's absolutely horrible. But mounting a front is what we need to do. But 
Kenny, unfortunately, the parents now, and I'm thanking you for speaking out as a parent, but people who are old, you know, just they, like me that, you know, or they're, they're saying, oh, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter, I had my time. Young people just want to fit in. They're weak. And so I hate to say they're spineless, but they, a lot of times they just want to fit in instead of stand out. Middle-aged coaches just are keeping the golden handcuffs on and collecting paychecks. People are afraid, like the USTA, like they're the mafia or something. They're going to come and get you. The ITA, woo, the ITA mafia. What the, they're both smothering bodies of their organizations, not governing body. They're smothering bodies, you know. So right. how would Kenny? It makes no sense how they would continue to fight for such an absurdity after 145 years. Listen, instead of protecting our sport, instead of protecting it, it, it just makes no sense. I don't care if it's the I don't care I if it's the best thing since sliced bread. They wouldn't be fighting this hard if there wasn't something deep, deep going on, you know. So, ludicrous. So, talk to me real quick. We've got a, we've got, we've got about ten minutes here if we need. Kenny, just uh, very quickly about on the pro tour now. Your son finished college tennis. He went out on the pro tour, got slammed again with some some stupid stuff. They uh, just demolished the entry. The entry gates or the entry filters that you need, it's the filters all clogged up, isn't it, for going into pro tennis? Yes, it is. It's, uh, they, the, uh, what you're talking about, the gambling uh, ruined our sport because the, I, the ITF paid $70 million to, so they could get the information of the kids. So gambling yeah, gamble $70 million. And, uh, they said yeah. the deal. Look up the article. Look up the article. It's on the internet. So they went from they went from 128 uh, draw and qualies to 24. So, you know, you, you, do you? I mean, if you can imagine how many kids you lost over that. Luckily, Corey was doing decent when that happened, and and uh, and that's why Corey decided just to go the doubles route because he's doing so well, and he didn't. Uh, you know, you're not going to go around sit at, sit around at a tournament and uh, be one of the 24 guys out of a you know a million guys to get in. <clears throat> but um, just a good example, this past weekend, he played with Tommy Paul at the uh, Carry Challenger, and they get to the semifinals, knock off the number two seed, knock off two guys that are top 70 in the world, and Tommy's shoulder acted up, so Tommy had to withdraw. So Corey only got credit for winning his round, getting to the quarterfinals. They didn't even give him credit for winning the quarters to get to the semis. He only got points for getting to the quarters. Wait, you tell me how you make sense of that. Also, the prize money. He got quarterfinal prize money, which is nothing anyway in challengers. So okay, well, of, I, um, I'm not, I shouldn't even ask you that. But, um, it's not it's – yeah, so the challenger level. Sounds like a lose-lose. money – it was a total lose lose, but how do you how do you penalize a kid when you're getting you won your quarterfinal match, so how in the world are you not getting credit for winning that match? You're getting credit for winning the round of sixteen. There's no sense in that. It's a corrupt they're they're it's getting more corrupt by the day. So it's uh it's obviously you know, I'm glad I'm glad he's stayed positive with it. <clears throat> but um 
you know, it's uh, right. uh, he's had at least 20 very good players that are potentially, you know, top 200 Americans, I feel, quit tennis, never play again, never pick up the racket again. And that's the uh, unfortunate, you know, unfortunate thing in this sport. That's right. That's right. And listen, for as much as the USDA can say, oh, grow the game, grow the game, grow the game, we want many, many people. Oh, they're definitely not doing that. I'm sorry. They're definitely not growing the game. They're making more people quit. There has been more kids quit at a college now that had dreams of making it in the pros um, because of their, you know, the corruption, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, and I'm talking about guys that could have played. I don't have money. I'm a middle-class uh, single parent. Some of these guys' parents had money, and they still quit because of of the rule changes. I mean, they, it's the only sport in the world where we change our rules. Of the base fundamentals, the pillars of our game, the the building blocks of our game. And, right. Uh, yeah, well, again, getting in, I mean, who wants to play tennis when you can't get in? Well, their whole mentality for the USTA is participation breeds excellence. I always say excellence breeds participation, but they want participation. So why would they only have participation with entry levels for high schools, no cut, tenna, da 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 whatever they do, plain, net, all their hokey pokey shows that they put together. Then when it comes to the professional levels, no, I'm sorry, only 24 out of the 128 get in. Give me a break. I mean, it, it, makes, it makes no sense. So you're in charge of the USTA. You have a no-cut contract for six years. For six years, about the length that we have a U.S. senator, right? You're in charge of right. USTA. Nobody's going to mess with you. You're in charge. You want no? You're in charge of American tennis, basically. Tell me what you would do and what some of the things we need to do. I would 100% make, and they uh, they have, uh, you know, luckily uh, increased it back to 48 to the uh, qualies, but I'd make it 64 draw. I wouldn't focus on the uh, the kids that are 10 and 12 years old. I'd look for talent. I look for the kids that need help that have the big serves, the big forehands, the good attitude, that love the, the respect also. Um, now, I would think they uh, say they do that already. You know, they're, they dig yeah, pretty right. deep. They definitely don't. Yeah, I mean, they I would say we already like, do that. No, they definitely don't do that. They, um, You know, they're, I'm not going to name the name, but he's a good kid. But when he was 12 years old, he's number one in the country. And guess what? He never played college tennis because he never because twelve year you cannot base a twelve year old off you know a professional you know career. And the the kid was twelve. He never grew. He stayed the same height. He stayed the same. You know, he looked like a man at twelve. But um, you know, it it it's like be be more open and and help help the kids that need help. Don't just uh you know if there's there's you know there's a there's a case a, a, a kid asked Corey to play doubles that has a lot of money. I'm not going to name his name, but his dad has a lot of money. He can pay the director every single one. If you have money, you can get you, you can pay to get your kid a wild card if you have enough money. Well, that's, that's sad that's to me. That, that's really sad. People, that's, that's one of the wrongs 
that is one of the wrongs. What would you do with college tennis? How would you save college tennis? Just real quickly, or we got uh, two, go back two, three to minutes. Like when I played college tennis, coach, I'd, I'd go back when I played college. You know what we did? We played two out of three full sets of singles, and then we played two out of three full sets of doubles. And that, and yep. I'll never forget what a blast that was. We could be down three-one and come back and win all three of those doubles. I don't have a problem with them playing. You know, I, I definitely want college to be two out of three full sets of singles, regular scoring. If you're that, if and if they're that much of a rush, then you go to two out of three sets and doubles. Play a tiebreaker for the third. Fine. If it's that, if it's that important for you guys, you know, for them to rush the sport. But every when Corey played at Alabama, and we had a packed house, I'll never forget fans saying, "Why are they playing no at scoring?" Fans don't want to see it. They want to. They want to enjoy tennis. If you watch golf, you want to enjoy. You're not. You're not going to shorten up golf and baseball and basketball. Just play. Just play with. You know, play what brought this sport to what it is. And you know, and that's the puzzling thing that fans, coaches, players all dislike very much. The abbreviations, all of them, administrators. Absolutely. They uh, well, coach, they want to maybe get to their cocktail parties for the evening or something, but that's why I say there's got to be a deep state. But I look, I I wanted any last message. We got about thirty seconds. Any quick message for parents out there? And I wanted to thank you very very much for being on the program once again. And let's continue on. I love your conversations. Anything? I want to thank you, Coach, for all you do and all your you fighting for this. Uh, Great sport, and I think parents have to get, uh, you know, they've got to get behind the computer and send emails and start fighting for, you know, to get the sport for, you know, what made it. Not, uh, We don't need to shorten it. Next thing you know, we're going to be playing two game sets. You know, I wouldn't doubt it if they and, started and, three game sets. And don't be afraid, parents, because USTA, look, USTA is not going to be the defining factor in your greatness of your youngster. Believe me, they don't care about your youngster. They don't. They want whatever makes them look good and whatever's greasing the pot there. You know, they, uh, they, they don't. They're a, they are a mammoth organization that work upside down. They should, we should invert the power pyramid, a friend told me, of the USTA so it's bottom up, not top down. And listen, I gotta go, but Coach, uh, thanks, thanks to all you guys. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.